All right, we're back for another great episode of Black Equity Podcast. On today's episode, we're actually going to take a concept that we learned on our other podcast, which if you're not following, should be How to Acquire Podcast. Uh, I am the host at the How to Acquire Podcast, uh, presented by Acquisitions Network. And a recent conversation we had was called uh, Thinking Like a Shareholder. Uh, featuring uh, Jeremy Harbour of the Unity Group and the Harbour Club. If you have not checked out that episode, you probably should. Uh, There was a really great concept of thinking like a shareholder in that episode. And we're actually going to take that concept today and talk about how to increase the value, uh, your shareholder value, which is going to be very important if you're thinking like a shareholder Uh, That means you can also uh, think, how do you increase the value of the other shareholders that are around you? And I think as an entrepreneur or an investor, uh, this is uh, next level thinking. Um, A lot of times we talk about assets and liabilities, but we rarely talk about shareholder equity. And on today's episode, we're going to be speaking with a gentleman who's going to teach you just that, how to increase Uh, the profits of your company, which ultimately increases the shareholder value, the shareholder equity, uh, depending on who you are within the organization. Uh, So I'm really excited about today's conversation. Um, Without further ado, uh, this is a conversation that you will want to listen to and take plenty of notes. I'm DJ Mocha of Black Equity Network, and welcome to Black Equity Podcast. another great episode of Black Equity Podcast. And our guest today is going to give us a lot of great gems uh, during his travels of being in business, working with different business owners, helping them succeed. We want to learn about his journey and the different things that he may have encountered and uh, how there's a possibility uh, to potentially partner or learn from him in some sort of way. Uh, so joining me on uh, today's episode is Wayne Washington. Welcome to Black Equity Podcast. Uh, thank you for having me. I'm, I'm looking forward to our discussion. Awesome. Awesome. So for those who don't know who you are, tell us a little bit about yourself, your company, uh, and your line of work. Okay. Uh, as I said, my name is Wayne Washington. I've been in business for almost uh, 25 years now. Um, my background, I started as an engineer, electrical engineer. I went to a small school in Ohio, Ohio Northern University, uh, graduated in the 70s. And then from there, I held various engineering type of jobs. Uh, I was at Ford Motor Company for a while. I was at a pharmaceutical company in Cincinnati for a while. And I basically ended up down here in Evansville, Indiana, working for a company called Mead Johnson Nutrition Division. This, I got to turn this, uh, I'm working for me, Josh Nutrition Division. And that's, a, again, another pharmaceutical company. And while I was there, I went through various positions and the, the position I got the most career growth from 
when I was made a facility manager of the, of the organization. In other words, I had responsibility for all the buildings, all the cleaning, all the maintenance, you know, all the steam and boiler production, all the utility productions. Uh, all, long story short, it was about 2 million square feet of space. I had about, um, I think about 115 people reporting to me. And I had a, a expense budget of $18 million and had a capital budget of $5 million. So I've worked in corporate America. I've spent corporate America's monies. I saved corporate America's money. So I, I think I have a good way. I feel I have a good feel of what corporate America wants. So therefore, well, usually what corporate America wants is usually successful in most businesses. So I think the thing I learned most in, the thing I learned most in what I do is how to help clients save money and reduce their costs. Um, I, I've had, I've got a nickname over the years called the doctor of operations. And I, I got that nickname because I feel I know how to diagnose a company's operating issues and recommend uh, from that diagnosis, recommend a course of action, then as a help them implement that as a mentor. So that's been my background throughout. But I think the thing that, that really uh, helped me grow over the years at Mead Johnson was to, well, a couple of things, but the one, the one that was the first one was I got, I had the task of taking a paper and pencil computer, a paper and pencil maintenance system and transforming it into a computerized maintenance management system. We had to go out and investigate it. We had to go out and research. I had a team of about eight people. They were dedicated for a year. That's all they did for a year to find it, load it, and make it work for various divisions within Bristol Myers Squibb and Mead Johnson. And in doing that, I learned about how systems work to get, get, get things done, number one. But the other thing I learned about I learned with that process is how you bring a team of people together for a common goal to get something done on time and make it work. How did how, you know you got eight, nine different diverse people? They don't have the same personalities, they have good days, they, they have bad days. You had to bring those people together and make those people help those people work together. So that was one of the best things I learned. Other thing I learned about it is how do you take a thought process and develop it into a computerized maintenance, a computerized maintenance system, which from there I was able to develop my own maintenance system, my own computerized system in my own business, which we have since used. So I learned those things. The second biggest thing I learned at um, uh, Mead Johnson, I was there. I, I don't know, I'm not sure your age, but back in the 90s, the mid 90s, uh, outsourcing was the was a was a key word. If it wasn't part of your core processes every company tried to outsource it. And we worked in a, what I call facility maintenance group. You know, they could outsource people who fixed the, 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 rest, the restrooms, people who do the painting, people who do the patches of the walls. That was the, the main thing that our group did. We have 54 people in, in that group. And that was the main thing we did. They were looking to outsource that. And the group of people who reported to me, as I say, there's 54 of us, but most of them were between the ages of 45 and 60. You know, talking about change to that age group of individuals, yeah, the term I use is like a fart in the elevator. They wanted nothing to do with the change. So how do I get that age group of people on board together to work together? And what we did, we, we made the outsourcers the enemy. You know, that outsourcing group, they were the enemy, and we were all fighting against that enemy to save our jobs. We came up with a slogan called better, faster, and cheaper. We had to be better than them. We had to be faster than them. We had to be cheaper than them. And we succeeded. We saved our jobs. And over the next three years, with the help of the computer system we put in, we reduced our operating costs 7%, an average of 7% a year each year over the, over the next three years. So those types of things, bringing people together, working for a common goal, the development of a system that, uh, that we, I had developed into a computerized system, 
they're the main things that 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 I've done. Over the, I think the biggest thing now in the last couple three years is COVID. Uh, COVID, like most people, most companies had a major impact on my business. Uh, the my largest account, uh, it, it did about ninety percent of my income. Last August, I lost that. And, mm. uh, you know, it, uh, luckily I was able to apply for some PPP funding. I mm -hmm. got PPP funding and we're in a process of turning things around and, and moving things on. And why I say that about four years ago, about 2016, 2017, um, I knew facility management and facility maintenance kind of business was not a long-term sustainable effort. And why do I say that? Most people look at the facilities, the buildings as a necessary evil. They don't want to put any money into it. You know, it's a it's run it to a break kind of mentality. So right. anything I'm trying to do from a facility standpoint, I knew I wasn't, it wasn't going to be long-term successful. I made the switch then back in 19, I mean, 2016 and so to try to do more things from an overall company standpoint, work with the company CEO. Every business has three pillars, strategy, culture, and operations. And what I look at is how do you take strategy, culture, and operations and bring them together and align them so therefore you have funds to fund your managed growth. That's what I started doing in, in, in uh, 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 2016 and work with people and companies since then. And because what I've found, if you do not have your strategy, culture, and operations aligned, you're leaving money on the table each and every day. And that's money that's lost, it's gone, and you're never going to get it back. So we have a tool that helps people. I'll tell you, I think we'll talk about that later. I have a tool that helps people a lot talk about how their strategy, culture, and operations are aligned. Once they know where they start, there's some steps they can do to take it from there. But the PPP program, I, it helped me put together, revamp my software program, and it revamp my a way to help people run their business day to day uh, to save, I won't say to save money, because I think the, the bottom line is... If you want to have your resource, excuse me, your strategy, culture, and operations aligned, you have to use your resources effectively. When I talk about resources, manpower, money, materials, and management. They're the four resources every company has. And how effectively those use those resources is how, how well their company is going to be aligned. If you're not using your resources of manpower, money, materials, and management effectively, as I say, you're leaving money on the table. I'm, I'm, I've done a lot of talking right now. I, I let me shut up and, and no, you're good. <laughs> give you an opportunity if you want to clarify that. But that that's my background. That's who I am. That's what we do. Okay, and and thank you for that because you've laid the groundwork perfectly for where we can take this conversation. Okay, okay? so. As you're talking, in my mind, I'm thinking, okay, well, what if I have everything in alignment? What does that do to a business? Okay. Because many people will say, well, okay, yeah, I hear you. We get those things in alignment. Okay, I'll worry about that later. But I think it's important for them to understand, well, if I'm in alignment, what does that do for my business overall? And why should I be in alignment? Okay, a, a very good question, and I have an answer for you. Okay. Okay. When let's let's first before we, as I give you the answer, let's define terms. Okay. We okay. talked about strategy. We talked about culture. And we talked about operations. Okay. When you talk about strategy, that's you're saying this is where I as a company choose to compete. This is what I define as a win is, and this is how I'm going to win. You 
you're going to make that very clear, very concise as a strategy. Where I compete, what's a win, and how am I going to win? Does it make sense? Yes. Okay. When you talk about the concept of a culture, your culture is your people. Your culture is the, is the beliefs and behaviors. They bring to work each and every day. Every culture is unique. And you, when you bring new people into a business, your culture changes. Unless you have ways to make sure that culture is, is stays stays the way you want it to be, you could have a, a, a bad apple come in and take your company elsewhere. So as I said, you have that culture. And the third one is operations. Operations is that vehicle that you take your strategy and transform, transform it into day-to-day -day instructions that your frontline people use to execute your strategy. So the common theme about all three of them is resources. You know, you share resources for you share resources in your strategy. You share resources in your culture, which is your culture. You share resources in in, in for your operations. So how well you utilize your resources depends on how well you're, you're how well excuse me how well you are aligned. So if you're saying if I don't really care whether I'm aligned or not, you're saying I don't care about leaving money on the table. So if mm. you're you're constantly making a decision to leave money on the table. If you say, I don't want to worry about alignment now, I'll do that later. And why I say what I'm saying, DJ, is they all work as a whole. It's They're integrated. You know, you cannot do you cannot do anything to strategy that does not affect culture. You cannot, you cannot do anything to culture that does not affect operations. They, any, anything you do to one affects the other. So you got to look at it as a holistic view and the holistic view you look at it is from a standpoint of how do I effectively utilize my resources. But that's 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 number one. The second part about it is when you look at, at how corporate America me measures itself right now, they look at the bottom line, that profit and loss statement. Agree? Mm -hmm. Yes. The profit and loss statement is a lagging indicator. It's what happened last month. So when you get your profit and loss statement, you're seeing what you did. There's no way you could change it. There's no way you, you can do anything about it. You could hope something happens in the future. What I try to help people do when you talk about aligning your strategy and getting your strategy, culture, and operation in alignment, you need to look at leading indicators. And the leading indicators you look at are your resource utilization, manpower. How am I using my manpower this week, next week, the following week? Materials, are my materials here on time or not on time? Do I have to back, is something on back order? Money. Do I have the money that I need to have this? I have to buy this program or hire this contractor. Do I have those funds available? Management. Do I have the knowledge, skills, and ability to get all the things I need to get done done? That's what I'm saying about how all that is in alignment, all that comes together, because that's what you need to use to align your strategy, culture, and operations. It's, it's a mouthful. And I'm not saying it's easy, but I guess I had to learn this through the, through the College of Hard Knocks year after year after year. And I've been, I was, I've been able to do that. That's awesome because what you're really doing is helping a company get back to its core values, get yep. back to its true essence. Yep. I think when companies first start, they have this idea that they're going to be this way and then they become reactionary. Right. This happens, this happens. And they didn't forget all about day one and what it, was, what it all meant. And once you get in alignment, it's almost like day one again, as far as uh, being in sync, having this dream, having this vision and going towards it. DJ, you, you, what you just said, it kind of, to me, it hits the nail on the head. When people start their company, 
They had a purpose. They had a reason. There was they they weren't there. Most people don't start their company to get rich. They start their company. They had an idea. They want to do something better. They want to do something that hasn't been done before. But then they get started and they lose sight of that purpose. They start getting short-term thinking. They start looking at profits. They start looking at growth. They start they start grabbing at shiny objects and they start looking at the new lingo, the new terms come on, and they forget their purpose. So when the leadership team forgets focusing on their purpose, the employees, the whole company forgets on their purpose, they get distracted. And that's how you start losing your losing your alignment. And that's how things, as I term it, get out of whack. Mm. Okay. So when you were working in corporate America, we're gonna go Okay. We're gonna go through that journey real quick. Okay. And you noticed that they were thinking about outsourcing. And you all said, let's be the best versions of ourselves to cut down that cost. Better, faster, cheaper. Did you know, or did, was there something inside of you that said, what I'm doing now is gonna reshape my entire future of how I interact with business? Could you sense it at the time? No, I, I wouldn't say I sensed it at the time. I, I, I'd have to say I sensed it in the moment. And why I, I say I sense it in the moment, when companies are looking at, at outsourcing, they're looking at money, mostly. They, you know, they, they don't, I hate to say it, they don't care about the people. They don't care about the culture. They're looking for to increase their bottom line. So what I knew I had to do, I had to get my entire team focused on how to reduce our costs. You know, you, you have 50-year-old guys who are used to going out and thinking about just cutting their grass. They came to me with ideas. Wayne, can we do this? Let's look at doing this. So when you get everybody on board fighting for the same goal, it's easy to do that. So we did it as a team. It wasn't just me saying, Randy, do this, or Bill, do this, or Sally, do this. They came to me. Wayne, can we do this? When can we do that? They brought the ideas together. They fleshed them out. And we, as a, as a, as a department, implemented them. But if you lose sight of your purpose, you lose sight of your focus, they don't care about those ideas because they're thinking about playing golf because most management does not listen to their employees. So therefore they stop asking their employees for input. And those employees, they, they keep that input to themselves. And when you start including your employees and inclusion and collaboration and making them part of the team that we get there together, that's when you get those ideas. So, I mean, it's a long story short to answer your question. No, I knew cost was, a, we had to reduce costs, but I knew I couldn't do it myself. I had to have my entire team on board to help me do that. You mentioned, and thank you for answering that. You mentioned um, this idea of purpose and vision and, and making sure you get back in touch with that. Mm -hmm. When you're having that conversation with a business owner, mm -hmm. What tends to be the response when what you're pro providing is actually really simple? Yes. Like, let's get back to the bare essential, right? It's not this yes. overcomplicated thing. No. But when you bring something as simple as let's get back to the core of your business and why you're doing it and having this alignment, how do people tend to respond to that? Well, I think it's, if that's all I'm taking in, I'm not going to get a good response. But if I'm saying, if I'm going in and saying, let's let's go back to your roots, let's go let's go back to your purpose, let's go back to your why, I'm not I'm not going to get a good response. How I start that conversation is what you're doing today is the money you're making today satisfactory? Are you growing and profitability? Is it going 
as well as you want, as fast as you want, and as high as you want. And most people I talk to say no. And so I asked them, what are you doing about that? And most people do the same things over and over. It's like insanity. They keep on twi twisting this, twisting that. They try, they, they, they fix a resource. They buy a technology. They hire a manager. They fire a manager. They do all these little onesie twosie types of things and they don't work. And so basically I'm asking is what you're doing now working and it's not. So when I have their attention, that's when you go back and talk about, let's go back to the beginning. Let's go back to the basics. I love that. Okay. So a lot of what you were saying earlier is you show um, companies how to cut costs, right? Right. A lot of people are always talking about growing, 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 expansion, expansion, expansion. And what I found interesting once we, we bumped into each other uh, through the, the internet yes. <laughs> and I found interesting with your perspective is well, there's actually money available to you now. You just can't see it. How did you have that knack in your eyes to be able to see, oh, well, yeah, you could increase revenues and go and do more, or you could just fix this one thing and actually double the amount you're taking in? DJ, I would think I'm saying to think you're a straight man because you just set me up for these very good questions. I like to ask. You know what I mean? I got you, my brother. I got you. <laughs> now, um, when I, when I talk about a company's not in alignment, the strategy, culture, and operations are not in alignment. Mm -hmm. There are three things that result, and I call these three things value drains because they're draining value from your company. Number one is disengaged employees. Number two is unnecessary complexity. And number three is hidden costs. So if I know those three things are causing a, a drain of value for my company, I know how to look for them. You, know, you, you look at most companies today, you look at any, you go to any rep most reports you see on the internet, 60% of a lot of companies, their employees are disengaged. I mean, so that's money on the table right there. If you know your employees, if you have any employees that disengage, that's money you're losing because instead of them working, they're on the internet, they're on Facebook, they're doing something else. They're looking for a new job. That's a disengaged employee, number one. Number two, you, look, you have unnecessary complexity. What is the result of unnecessary complexity? Decisions are delayed. You have bottlenecks in the decision-making process. You have people afraid to make decisions. You have people who, who they need paralysis of analysis. They need to have the perfect information to make that decision. All the time that decision is being delayed, it's money being left on the table. So when you're, when you're aware I have disengaged employees, how do I go after them? When you're aware I have unnecessary complexity, how do I go after them? And the third one is hidden costs. You know, from a hidden cost standpoint, there's things most companies do day after day after day that they take it for granted. Number one, searching and waiting for stuff. You know, so-and-so's on vacation. I'm waiting for that report. I can't have that. Or as I talk about somebody, they want to have a perfect, a perfect answer. Say they rework it, rework it to try to get that perfect answer. Or the big one today is unintegrated business applications. You know, you have three or four different computer systems or business operating systems in place. They don't talk to each other. Again, that's hidden costs. So all three of those things, hidden costs, unnecessary complexity, and disengaged employees, they're the things I look for. They're the things I focus on. And once you know what they are, I have a way to help clients solve them. And I'll just tell you real quickly, for all three of them, 
when you when you when you have disengaged employees, the way you fix that, you you have to have an environment, a work environment, environment of collaboration and inclusion. As I said before, when we got our my workers at Mead Johnson all work together as against the enemy of the outsourcers, they were all working together because we collaborated. We, here's how we're going to beat the enemy. Here's how we're going to be better, faster, and cheaper. So by collaboration and inclusion, you eliminate disengaged employees. Un unnecessary complexity. It comes down to how simple is your strategy. If you know where, you, where you're going to compete, what's the win, and how I'm going to win, you get your employees involved in how are we going to do this. And the, the trick is you don't keep decision-making at the executive level. You drive decision-making down into the organization so the lowest level of the organization can make that decisions. Uh, you've probably been involved in an organization before where a worker's working, he stops. Well, I got to ask my boss X, Y, Z before I move forward. You don't want that. That's money on the table. That's that's number two. And 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 the third one I'm saying is is hidden costs. And here's the big one right now for me for companies. You have to have you have to get to a transaction mentality. In other words, when you're using resources like manpower, money, and and materials. They're all transactions. You have to record all those transactions. Time is a transaction. So what I mean is you have to be transparent. So you can know on Tuesday of last week, I spent this amount of money on that. On Thursday, next month, I need five people with these skills at this time. So if you start looking at things from a transaction standpoint, where it's, where it's transparent, not only is it transparent, you now have a way to hold people accountable because you have a scoreboard. When you it's like a ball game. You don't go to a ball game and not watch the scoreboard. So when you have a transaction trend of economy in, in, inside your business, you keep score. So putting those three things together, collaboration, inclusion, uh, the data-driven decision making, and a scoreboard with transaction transparency, that it's a lot I'm saying, DJ, but it, it works, it all comes together. No, it, it's it's making perfect sense. What I like about your second point, um, if we can dive a little bit deeper. Sure, go ahead. It feels like you're empowering your people when you're talking about getting rid of those bottlenecks yes. and making sure they can make those decisions. What I like about that is we're empowering people to do what they're great at, whatever yes. that is. Yes. Well, uh, your employees, they're the ones who interact with the, company, with the customer every day. They're the ones yeah. who run those machines every day. I mean, some most managers sit in their office or sit in, their, for lack of a better word, the ivory tower, and they think they know. But they right. don't know, okay? Right. So when you start going down, I mean, that's when we when we, we I was able to reduce our costs uh, at Mead Johnson, an average of seven cent percent a year for over three years. I didn't do that. My employees helped me do that. They bought into where we're going. They bought into what we're doing. They had the ideas. So yes, you get your employees. You, you make them feel important. You make them feel valued. You make them feel like their contribution means something. You listen to them. I mean, it's, 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 it's basic. If you have a kid, the same thing with your kid, you know what I mean? I'm not saying you treat boys like kids, but you treat yeah. them with respect. It, you know, there, there's something to that because if it's, if it's basic common sense or basic human dignity to say, oh, I'm going to hire you for a job and trust you to do that job and give you all the tools you need to succeed in that job, you would think that is basic and uh, such a <laughs> regular thinking, right? But it's not. You, you want to know why? You, and too many, uh, too many senior managers have egos. They're control freaks. 
They yeah. think they have to have their armor. This is my business. I started this business. It's my money in the line. I got to make sure I have my finger in every pie. They're leaving money on the table. They're not including those people at the bottom line. So uh, to me, a lot of it comes down to, well, it's, it's our economy. You look at our economy. It's a short-term driven economy. Stock market is based on short-term gains. They don't look for long-term gains. What are you doing for me today? So that's the mentality that, that, that permeates through all of businesses. You got to stop that mentality. The bottom line is you got to change your mindset. I think uh, a week or so ago, you had a lady on, 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 on your show who, who talked about mindset. That yeah. is so key. You know, so you have to make sure that that mindset is right first. And once you have the mindset right, then you have to find a ways to measure to make sure what you want to put in place works. And the final thing you have to do is once you have the measuring in place, how do you monitor it, monitor it, monitor it to make sure it's working ongoing? So I think that's where some of the things that people in business, they, they look at the bottom line and they react to the bottom line. Remember, the bottom line is a lagging indicator. You need leading indicators to manage on the fly. If, if you knew today that uh, a project wasn't going to happen today or you had to make a change on a, for a project or a deliverable to a client today and you could fix it today, doesn't that make more sense than wait till you get your P&L at the end of the month and then look back historically to find out what went wrong and then try to fix it then? I mean, yep. that, yeah, that's logical. Yeah, I like what you're saying. Like if this was the stock market, why would you focus on a lagging indicator that's going to tell you what a stock did six months ago Yes. when you could know what the stock could be doing tomorrow? tomorrow. Yes, yes. I mean, it's... it's and I think the thing that brings it all together, and, and I, I, I hope this helps your audience, uh, the things that brings it all together is, is, is what we use is what I call a three-week rolling schedule. In other words, we plan on a three-week horizon. We look two weeks out, we call it our forecasted schedule. We look the next week out as our planned schedule, and this week is our operating schedule, all right? And we have this, I have this role, I, I, I tell everybody they need to have, it's called a resource czar. This guy controls your resources. This person, guy or girl, is making sure you have the resources you need, when you need them, how you need them, and they're there for the right purposes. So if you look at that schedule two weeks out, my forecasted schedule, and you're seeing you need Bill and Sally and whatever for this, but Sally's on vacation, you got two weeks to fix that before before that it comes to your operating schedule. And then you run your operating schedule and oh, Sally's not here. You stop, everything comes to a standstill and you do plan B. So when you have a forecasting schedule, you have two weeks to get things going. You come back to your planning schedule. That's basically saying, okay, we're gonna do this next week. Any changes, you talk about it. You have a weekly meeting, you talk about it. And your operating schedule, that's what you're gonna run that week. And my key is that operating schedule, you need to be completing 90% or better of your operating schedule. If you're completing your operating schedule, what you plan to do, you actually do. In the long run, you'll be successful, you'll be profitable, and you have funds to manage your growth because you're doing your plan. You're not letting things distract you. You're not letting somebody else's lack of planning become your emergency. So when you do those kind of things and you stick to your plan and have the discipline about your, the schedule you put together, it works. Okay, now earlier in this conversation, you mentioned that all this is simple, but it can't, it's not necessarily easy to put it all together. Right. And I know we're going to, in the show notes, we'll have a link where people can go and you can tell us more about what that link is. Right. But how you said it, it, it may not be easy. And that's, you know, part of the reason why 
uh, you're here to help okay. people to be okay. able to do that, right? Okay. Uh, but what is that process like? Um, uh, putting it all together and, okay. and making it streamlined. Okay. I, I we have what we call the the align buy-in system. Okay. And when I say align buy-in system, your company. Right, let, let me let me back up for a second. And I think the best analogy I can look at is think of a NASCAR racing team. Now you and I are probably not NASCAR fans, but it's 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 a good analogy to, to have. Okay. You got a NASCAR racing team. That NASCAR, the vehicle itself. It's not something you drive on the road. It's engineered for that purpose. It's engineered to always turn a certain way at a certain speed for those banks. So they did a lot of work in engineering to get that vehicle right. Right. Mm. You have your pit team and your drivers. They work as a team. That pit team, the drivers, the engineers behind the scene, they know how they have to tune that car, operate that car, work that car. Okay. So you have you have you know, you have your vehicle, which I call you get your vehicle online. When I'm talking about a, from your company standpoint, your structure, your infrastructure, your strategy, your systems, your procedures, the things that you want to do to make sure you're delivering your product or, or service the same day after day after day at a quality level to your customers. So that's the vehicle you're putting together. So when I'm saying your alignment are all your strategies, all, I mean, all your systems, all your procedures, all your processes in line to deliver the strategy you put together, all right, fine tune to put that together. So that's the alignment standpoint. The second one is the buy-in standpoint. The buy-in standpoint is the buy-in of your employees, all right? The best way to get, and, and I, I, I've used this analogy before from a buy-in standpoint, when we made the outsourcers, the enemy, and we all fought against that enemy, that worked. But that's not the same scenario for every company. What's that compelling story that your company has to have. You got to come together and find that compelling story that you and your employees are all working together to achieve. It's unique for your company and you get buy into that. So when things get hard, you go back to that compelling story that keeps you moving forward and forward and forward. So you have alignment, you have a buy-in and a third part of the system is keeping score. You know, how do you make sure you keep score in real time? And just like this, I used the analogy of sports earlier. When you're playing, I don't care what sport you're playing, there's a scoreboard there. You can look up and look at the score, look at the situation and do different things because of the score, because of the situation. So you put those three things together and you teach your people, you teach your company how to do that. And, and DJs, I'm not, it's easy to do once you get it all set up, but you have a lot of it, is, as I said before, change the mindsets. What are the measurements and then how you monitor? So that's what you all have to bring together, but you, I do that within a systematic process. I, I, might have, I know I said this before, I'm an engineer. I've always felt like an engineer and I feel I've always had the ability to take a complex concept, a complex subject and break it down into components parts and make it work. How do you take something that's complex, break it down into components and make it work? So that's been my background for the last 25 years and that's the system we put together and that helped me come up with the Align buy-in system. You mentioned earlier, I really love that analogy of the NASCAR uh -huh. because I've always looked at it the other way instead of the way that you just showed me today. I've always viewed it as, well, you know, you can't take that Mercedes Benz or that Toyota Corolla and go run, you know, race around with the other NASCAR cars because they wouldn't stand a chance. Right. But something deep that you said is, well, you really couldn't take that NASCAR car and put it out on the street and expect it to give you that same right. uh, mobility either. 
And so as something that is so great in the NASCAR ring or whatever they call it, the, the road, <laughs> <You know what laughs> <you mean. laughs> right? right. Uh, something that's great there may not be great there. Just like a helicopter wouldn't be great indoors. Right. Well, DJ, that's what I help people do. I help them to design, help them to find that NASCAR vehicle. I help them when they look at the buy-in. I help them create that compelling story. And number three, I help them build a scoreboard. All three of those things work together, and that's a real-time scoreboard. I help them do those three things. Those three things have to work in, in, in combination to make it work. What you are providing the companies is so valuable. Do you ever stop to think how you got here as far as the, the journey that you took where you're able to provide this value to companies? Um, I, you know, since when you, when you lose an account that's about 90% of your, of your revenue, yeah. mm -hmm. you do a lot of stopping, you do a lot of thinking, you do a lot of soul searching. Yeah. And I, you got to look back and say, Wayne, what's worked for you in the past and what's working for you now? So let's promote this. Let's make this happen. So, I mean, that, that, that time frame helped me do that. Uh, to, to see this value in this. I, I see this value when I'm talking about. And, and, and even from the standpoint, and I think it's, it has more value for those companies that are growing. You know, you, if you have a company and, and you're growing like gangbusters, I'm talking about companies that could be a, a, a SaaS company, product, a, a, a software as a service company, or it could be a marketing agency, or it could be a professional services agency. When these start, start, guys start growing fast, they're adding employees, they're bringing on new clients, they're bringing on new projects, and all that stuff comes together. And from an operation standpoint, there's somebody there going, ah, they're pulling their hair out. They don't know how to make it. They can't get their arms around it. They're, they're throwing money at it. They're working harder. They're adding stuff, but the operations suck, but they're not working smoothly. So they're the people I kind of look for. You're, you're, you're growing like crazy. And how do you make sure you take that growth and apply it, apply it effectively? So with the information that you provided today, um, what is the best way, the, the best options out there to learn from you, to collaborate with you, and to work with you? Okay. Uh, the name of the company I, I have is Grow Company Profits. And I have a website, growcompanyprofits.com. And my email address is Wayne at growcompanyprofits.com. That's the way to get in touch with me. But I, I think the thing that I, I want to share with you, DJ, that is, a, a, I think, a, a value for your audience. We've created a tool called the Execution Alignment Analyzer. And what that does is it helps you look at how your strategy, your culture, and your operations are aligned. And with the bottom line, picture for a second, uh, you know, when I say Venn diagrams, the three circles are all intersect. And unless you're operating in that center of the sweet spot, you're leaving money on the table. So what this execution alignment analyzer does, it lets you know what, there's, there's seven ways your company can strategy, culture, and operations can align. This tool lets you know which of those seven ways your, your alignment is, you're aligned. And once you have that information, well, once you have that information, it's gonna be helpful because if you're more of a strategy kind of a company, your management philosophy is going to be, we tell you to do it, you do it, okay? If you're more of an operations type of a company, you're, you're prestigious, nuts and bolts. Let's get this thing done. If you're more of the culture kind of a company, can we all get along, okay? There are three different ways of operating. There are three different ways to have an impact on your bottom line. So the tool we have lets you know where you're, how you're operating and how you analyze. That's just a starting point. 
once you know where you start, then we have ways to help you go from there. But that's just a starting point. So that, there's, a, there's, there's a link that we'll have available on the show notes. It's called the Analyzer, excuse me, Alignment Analyzer. And it's at a website called alignmentanalyzer.com. So that's what we'll have available for the client, for your audience if they want to take a look. If it's something that makes sense to them, we have tools. We have, and these, this, it's free. It doesn't cost them anything. We have free tools. We also, there's another tool we have called a value drain detector. I talk about the value drains of unnecessary complexity, disengaged employees, and hidden costs. We have a tool that helps you understand to what extent that happens at your company. So again, another free tool. We have a third tool we help people with, and I call it put a number on it. Once you know what your value drains are and to what extent they are, you want to put a number on it. So how, what percentage of your operating budget are you leaving on the table because of the value drain? So these are all free cool. tools we help clients do. And when it's all said and done, if you want to work further, you can. Or we'll help you put together a game plan. You can do it on your own. Well, how does that, how does that process work? Let's say I take the, the tools. I love this podcast episode. And I want to uh, work together. Okay. What does that process look like? Well, first of all, once you go through those processes, you're going to have a, what I call a connect the dots conversation. We're, we're going to look at the output of all those three things. We're going to connect the dots and we're going to put together a, a big picture game plan of how you make that whole thing happen. So that, that's number one. Then number two, you, you and I are going to have a pretty detailed heart to heart discussion because if you're not willing to make the changes of collaboration and inclusion, if you're not willing to make the changes of, a, of looking at your, your, your resources in real time, let's not waste each other's time. All right. So I got to find out what you're willing to do, what you're willing to commit to make it happen to grow your company. So we'll have that discussion and I got to make sure there's a fit. If there's not a fit, let's not waste each other's time because I can make a company successful with the processes and the systems we have. If you work the processes, you work the system you'll have a sustained income and that sustained income will fund managed growth. But we got to fit number one and it, you're going to have to change your mindset. You're going to put some management in place. You have to monitor real time, monitor in real time, not lagging indicators. So I, I know it's a long answer, but we're going to have a big discussion. And, and the, the, the final question I usually ask people when we have that discussion on a scale of one to 10, how much do you want this? And if you don't want to, if you're a business owner, you don't want to be a 10. Do you, why, do you really want this? If you're a five or six, come in when you're a 10. Right. I'm not sure if that right. makes sense, but I want people who are hungry. I want people who want to make this happen. No, I, I love that. Um, I'm really excited about this episode because, and I, I want to ask you to speak to this as well. A lot of people have been transitioning these last. 12 months or whatever yep. it's been, yep. right and people have been keeping their companies afloat some people have not been keeping their companies afloat and i'm on the phone and i'm talking to a lot of different business owners and i know this is an exact conversation many of them need to hear okay. so then they can decide because for some people they're not committed to having that big level conversation with you uh -huh. and it may be time for them to sell the business yeah. For others, they're committed and they might not even have a business. It may be time for them to acquire a business and then sit down with you and say, okay, where do we take this company? Help me find, uh, you know, where, where it's been and where, mm -hmm. where we can go. Mm -hmm. And then others are in their business. Uh, they didn't even know to think like this. And now they got some questions to ask themselves, some hard questions to ask themselves. 
where am I? Maybe there are five at the moment. So they're not totally done with entrepreneurship. Right. Um, they didn't even know to be at a 10. So at right. the very moment, they're at a five. Right. And hopefully this is that inspirational conversation to where uh, they say, okay, it's time to make that decision. So I'm going to leave this to you uh, for our final thoughts. What thoughts do you have for someone who's in that company? Uh, they just so, somehow survived these last 12 to 24 months. And before today, they didn't even know that they may need to think a little differently. Mm-hmm. What do you say to them? Well, it's, it's, it comes down to a, you got to make a, you got to look in a mirror. When I lost that big account, I had to look in a mirror. Do I want to exist or do I want to excel? And if I'm, if I, if I've been existing for the last 10, 15, whatever years I've been or whatever, two or three years in the last year from a COVID standpoint, if I want to continue to exist like that, more power to you. But if I want to excel, I have to change my mindset. I have to learn the new mindset I need to have, and I need to have some guidance to get me there. Because it's it's like you, you you hire you hire tennis coaches, you hire all kind of coaches. You can't use your same mindset to expect to excel. You need somebody who's done it who can help you. So do I want to do it? Do I want to excel? Get that new mindset. What are the measures I need to put in place and have somebody help me, mentor me, get me there? Someone that's going to kick me in the butt every now and then because I'm going to need it. So when I got to whine or woe is me, you know what I mean? You got to yeah. make it happen. So, I mean, that's that's the message I'll leave you with. Wayne, I, I want to thank you again for uh, sitting down and um, sharing this with us. Of course, um, our listeners can go to the show notes uh, right after this episode and utilize the resources, reach out to you if they want to take that next step. Right. But I want to say thank you uh, for sitting down and having this conversation. The doors are open. Anytime you want to come back and continue this conversation, I'm sure there's a lot of different avenues we can go from here. There are. Um, but I want to thank you for uh, having this Black Equity uh, conversation. My pleasure. I'll talk to you soon. And uh, thank you for coming on Black Equity. My, my pleasure. And we will talk again. I want to thank our guest, Wayne Washington, for stopping through on Black Equity Podcast to share with us how to increase our shareholder value. I think this is monumental for those who are looking at business from a different perspective now. Uh, We, in the show notes, we gave you the website uh, to learn more about uh, Wayne Washington's company. And also there is an interactive tool that he has provided to us. Thank you, Wayne, for this wonderful tool. And it's going to help you uh, do a diagnosis of your company and decide, well, how are you going to increase the shareholder value? So thank you all for listening. You can follow us on uh, Instagram at Black Equity Network. Also, if you are wanting to stay connected, I think it's very important that you join our text community. If you liked what you heard today, you're really going to love our text community. Um, in a text community, any opportunities, any investment opportunities, any partnership opportunities, uh, basically anything that comes through our network that we want to put our stamp of approval on, you will get that sent directly to your phone. Uh, but the only way to do that is to be part of our text community. Uh, the number is 305-590-5618. Once again, To join our text community, text 305-590-5618. 
and just send the uh, word Black Equity, and we'll know that you came from the podcast. And we have a special treat for you uh, by texting 305-590-5618. All right. I want to thank everyone for coming through today. Um, Hopefully, these last few episodes, you're seeing that uh, there's a different perspective in the game today. There's many different ways to accumulate wealth. And we're just offering you a different perspective of how to think about it. All right, everyone, think like a shareholder and increase your shareholder value. I'll talk to you soon.